Good morning and welcome once again to our service of worship today. I hope and pray this finds you doing well this week. I want to start with a story about a pastor who saw that a stray little cat was stuck up in a tree and couldn't get down. The pastor noticed that the tree wasn't sturdy enough to climb, so he decided that if he tied a rope from the tree to the back of his car and drove until the tree bent down, he could then reach up and get the kitten. Problem was, he drove just a little too far. The rope broke, the tree snapped upright, and the kitten went sailing high into the air and out of sight. He felt terrible, and so he walked all over the neighborhood asking people if they'd seen a flying cat. Nobody had. And so finally he prayed, Lord, I, I commit this cat to your keeping. And he went about his business. A few days later, he was at the grocery store, and he met one of his church members there. And in her shopping cart, he was amazed to see a, a great big bag of cat food, because this woman was a cat hater, and, and everybody knew it. So he asked her why she was buying cat food when she hated cats so much. She replied, do you want to know why, Pastor? I'll tell you why. Because of the power of prayer. For months, my little girl has been begging me for a cat. So finally I told her, if you pray to God and he gives you a cat, I'll let you keep it. Pastor, I kid you not. I watched my little girl go out into the backyard, get down on her knees, and boldly pray that God would send her a cat from heaven. You wouldn't believe it. As soon as she said amen, a cat suddenly came flying out of the clear blue sky with its paws spread out and landed right in front of her. How can I argue with God? <laughs> I, I love that story. And, and I want to ask you a question based on that story. How do you pray? What are your prayers like? Are your prayers big, bold, confident, faith-filled prayers like, like that little girl prayed? Or do they tend to be small, uncertain, hesitant, weak, vague? Last week, we looked at Philippians chapter 4, and, and we talked about the, the peace of God that, that comes through prayer praying in all circumstances, on all occasions, with thanksgiving. Well, today we're going to talk about the power of God through one of the biggest, boldest, most booming prayers in all of Scripture, found in Ephesians chapter 3. If you want to turn with me in your Bibles there, Ephesians chapter 3. And, and the focus of this amazing prayer of the Apostle Paul that we're going to look at today. The focus of it is on the incredible power, the, the amazing, infinite resources available to all believers in Jesus Christ. Now, as a prisoner in Rome, Paul writes this letter to the church at Ephesus around AD 60. And, and he opens this letter with, with these words in, in chapter 1, beginning at verse 3. Here's, here's what we read. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And then in verse 7, he writes, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he has lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And then he concludes chapter 1 with this powerful prayer. 
beginning at verse 17. Paul writes, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Paul isn't just saying this. He's praying this, that the church in Ephesus and, and all believers by extension would have the eyes of our hearts open to the spiritual reality of the hope we have in Christ and God's unfathomable riches, his incomparably great power for those who believe. So if, if chapter one, if that prayer there is, is a prayer for enlightenment, well then chapter three, the, the prayer we're going to look at here today is a prayer for enablement. Here Paul prays that by God's power, we might come, come to grasp, that, that we might take hold of our riches in Christ Jesus and live according to that reality. So this is the heart of Paul's second prayer, which starts at verse 16. So if you want to look at me with me, Ephesians chapter 3, beginning at verse 16, and we'll just read this down to the end of verse 21. So Ephesians chapter 3, beginning at verse 16, Paul prays. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. What a prayer. (laughs) What a prayer. The goal of this prayer is that we might actually experience verse 20 there. That we might be able to experience immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to God's power that is at work within us. Wow. It's, it's supposed to exceed our wildest expectations and imaginations what God will do in our lives, my friends. Now, if we're being really honest, many of us probably hear these verses and think, yeah, that's, that's really nice. <laughs> but, but come on, it's, it's a little lofty, isn't it? Well, my friends, as, as lofty as... As, as unimaginable as it might seem to some, I believe that this is not only where God wants us to be. I, I believe that this is precisely what God has enabled and expects us to experience by the power of his Holy Spirit on a regular basis. Verse 20 should be the norm for us, my friends. So how come it isn't? If this is true, how come there are so many Christians walking around in utter defeat, discouraged, downtrodden, perpetually exhausted, 
empty, looking and acting and, and sounding no different than the lost people wandering around in, in the world uh, all around us, living without hope, without the hope we have in Christ. How come there, there are so many Christians who seem completely ignorant unaware of God's infinite power and and glorious resources available to them in Christ Jesus, whose Holy Spirit supposedly lives inside their hearts. Our boys love superheroes, and uh, a few years ago, they were given this, Thor's hammer. They were given that as a gift. Now, for those who might not know, the mighty Thor is, is a Marvel superhero who is not only super strong, but, but has this, this powerful hammer. And, and when he slams it down, it, it does incredible damage. But also, when, when he spins his hammer like this, he can fly. He, he can take off. And uh, so, so Theodore, when, when he was about four, he, he knew. He knew this about Thor. And, and so he, he was convinced... That, that if he picked up this toy hammer and, and spun it hard enough, spun, spun it fast enough, <laughs> if, if he just gave it all he had, that, that, that he should be able to fly. And so one day, I, I was in the kitchen, I looked out the window, and I saw him out in the middle of the backyard, just absolutely just, just giving her with all of his might just with everything he had, just trying to take off, sweat pouring down his face. And, and I smiled at first, but, but I watched him, and he just kept going and going and harder and harder. And I was afraid he was either going to like smack himself in the face or, or pass out. So, so I went out to him, and, and, uh, and just as I came up, he, he, he slammed the hammer down. He was, he was so discouraged, just, just totally defeated. And he said, Dad... It doesn't work. It's impossible. I just can't get off the ground. I've, I've tried everything. And I, and I gave it a second, and, and I knelt down. He was shorter at the time. I'm buddy, you didn't try everything. He's like, what do you mean? I, I said, you didn't ask me for help. He kind of looked at me funny. And I said, listen, buddy. Start swinging the hammer again, gently, okay? I don't want to be smacked in the face. Start swinging it, and, and let's just see what happens. So turn him around, he picked it up, and, and he, he starts swinging it again. And I kind of, I'm behind him, and I kind of come up behind him, and now I, I, I pick him up by the waist as, as he's spinning the hammer, and, and, and I lift him up over my head. And, and I look up at him, and I see his eyes just, just bugging out. He's, he's ecstatic. He can't believe this is happening. He's flying. And so now he kind of he points the hammer in the direction he wants to go. And so, and so I carry him. I, I, I take him there. I, I make him fly across our yard. Every which way he pointed, he went and just had the time of his life. And, and this kind of became routine for us. It got to the point, any given day, he would just pick up his hammer. And if I was nearby, he would pick it up, and he'd be like, Dad, <clears throat> and I expect that I would pick him up and, and fly him around, and, and, and that's what we did for a, a long, long time, actually. We're kind of <laughs> almost past that point now, but not quite. Um, the point is, uh, I, I often think, as, as followers of Jesus, that, that we're kind of like Theodore, in that 
you know, we, we pick up that hammer. It's, it's like we're, we're trying, we're trying so hard on our own to, to fly for God, as it were. Try, trying so hard on our own strength to, to be good and to be faithful and to do good. And, and, and trying, slaving away as if it's all up to us. Failing. To, to either realize or embrace the infinite richness of resources God has made available to us in Christ Jesus through his Holy Spirit, and frankly, failing to ask him to strengthen us with his power through his Spirit, which is exactly what the Apostle Paul prays here. Look again at verse 16. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Paul prays that out of God's glorious, vast, unlimited riches, that believers would be strengthened with power through his spirit. This is an amazing phrase here. The word strengthened on its own couldn't cut what Paul was, was trying to express here. So he doubles down. He says strengthened or empowered with power. Double, double it there. Strengthened with power, and not just with any power, with the, the power of, of dynamite. That's, that's what that word means there, translated power, dunamis in the Greek. It's, it's where we get our word dynamite, explosive power. In chapter 1, Paul explained the nature of this power. In verse 19 and 20, we read that that power is like the working of his mighty strength, which, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Romans 8, 11, we read that it's the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead who lives in you, my friends. The source of, of, of his booming dynamite power is the third person of the Trinity himself, the Holy Spirit of the living God, who in the beginning was with God, hovering over the darkness and creating the universe. That's the power we're talking about here, my friends. Paul is praying that we would be strengthened with the explosive, universe-creating, life-sustaining, resurrection power of the living God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead through his Holy Spirit. Where? In your inner being. Through faith in Jesus Christ, the power and presence of God Almighty through the Holy Spirit takes residence in our inner being, in the core of who we are, in our hearts. Do you believe that? Is that true for you? And if so, do, do you live like it? Would others know that? It, it's one thing to understand our riches and resources in Christ on, on paper. It's something else to live according to that knowledge in power. It's, it's one thing to, uh, to read the owner's manual to your car and understand how, how it goes, how it works. It's something else to, to get in and to turn it on and, and to drive your car. Now notice the purpose of this power in, in verse 17. Paul prays that believers would be strengthened with power through his spirit in our inner beings. Why? Look at So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Well, hold, on, hold on a second, what? Maybe, maybe you're thinking, wait a second, these are believers that Paul is praying for here, right? The, the, the believers in Ephesus, the, the church there. Doesn't Jesus already dwell in their hearts by faith? That's a good question. You see, Paul's not talking about salvation here. The word translated um, 
dwell here is, is the Greek word katoikeo. Uh, and it's an intense verb that combines two two words, okeo, which, which means to, to live in a house, and katath, which, which means to intensify. It really means to settle down and, and be at home there. It's not a question of whether Christ is in your life. It's a question of whether he's at home in your life, in your heart, whether he has all access. It's the difference between staying in a house as a guest and living in your home. You, you can live in a house and not really be at home there, can't you? Jesus is, is not supposed to be a house guest, my friends, but, but the head of our household, the household of our hearts. Robert Munger, in his book, My Heart, Christ's Home, says this, Without question, one of the most remarkable Christian doctrines is that Jesus Christ himself, through the Holy Spirit, will actually enter a heart, settle down, and make a real home there. So the question we must ask ourselves is, is this. Is Jesus at home here? Does he have complete access to, to every room, to every part of your life? Because sometimes, for being honest, we have rooms we, we like to keep to ourselves, don't we? We, we don't want him going, going in there. That's, that's my business. That, that's my work life. Or, or, well, that's my entertainment. That's, that's what I watch. That's what I stream. Or, or that, that there, that's my, that's my social media presence. That's, that's for me. I got to keep that separate. No, no, no. He, he's supposed to have control of all of us, my friends. Every room in the house, every part of our lives. He, he wants it all. And, and if he has it all, he'll be able to settle down and, and make his home here, have complete control of our lives. So the question is, does he? Paul writes in Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Holy Spirit, which is not about us getting more of him. We already have the Holy Spirit, all of them. It's about giving him more of us and not just more, all, all of us. Here's the thing. We will never be fully filled as we ought until we're fully emptied because we're bought by the blood of Christ. As Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 6, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who, who's in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You've been bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. And I would add with, with your life, with your mind, with your soul, with your strength, with everything, honor him. You know, we sing that song, I surrender all. May, may that be our anthem and our prayer, all to Jesus I surrender. Lord, I give myself to thee. Fill me with thy love and power. Let thy blessing fall on me. But Paul's not done. The prayer gets bigger. He prays that God's power at work within us will have another effect. Verse 17, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, verse 18, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. My friends, God's power will enable us to grasp. It's a, it's a strong word that means to, to seize and take hold of tightly, permanently, to squeeze and never let go. Paul is praying that by the dynamite power of God, we might be able to permanently take hold of, grasp what? Grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. But, but we can't do that with our hands because it's physically immeasurable. And we can't do it with our heads because it's, it's mentally unfathomable. 
Which Paul affirms in in the very next phrase as he prays that the Ephesians verse 19 would know this love that surpasses knowledge. To know something that surpasses knowledge. His love. The word know here. It goes far beyond intellectual knowledge. It's, It's experiential. It means to know personally, intimately, through experience. Paul is praying that that believers will know in in their hearts what they can't fully know in their heads. That is the power and fullness of God's immeasurable love in Christ Jesus. And the only way to know that is to experience it, to receive it through faith in Jesus Christ who showed us the full extent of God's love as he laid down his perfect life on the cross to pay for our sins in full. I just want you to uh, just think about the cross for a moment. The upper beam pointing up to the highest height. The lower beam pointing down to the deepest depth. And and the cross beams each pointing out to the furthest horizon, the, the longest length and the widest width. And in the very center is where Jesus Christ laid down his perfect life to pay for our sins so that we might be forgiven and made right with God who so loved the world. All I can say is is how deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure that he would give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. And just when you think this prayer can't, can't get any bigger or better or bolder, It does, as Paul prays that we, continuing verse 19, may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. (laughs) Wow, this this is incredibly extravagant language. It means to be filled to the brim, to, to be filled to capacity with what? With the fullness of God himself, his essence, his attributes, his sovereignty, his wisdom, his purity, his grace, his truth, beauty, mercy, justice, love, light, all of it. We can be filled with that. That is the prayer here that, that we, we, us, broken, frightened, sinful, anxious, empty, tiny little human beings would be filled up to to such a degree, to the extent that the filling can only be measured by the sum total of God himself. Wow. My friends, the only thing that can finally and fully fill us, satisfy us, complete human beings made in the likeness of God is the fullness of God himself. And yet, what do we do? We try and fill ourselves, our lives with everything but God, don't we? With, with things, with stuff, with friends, through money, through possessions, through, through success. But that hole just gets bigger when we do that. The hole in the human heart can only be filled by God. God's fullness is the only thing that can truly fill us and satisfy us. And Paul knew that. He experienced that fullness. He lived in that fullness no matter what the circumstances in his life. Which is why he doesn't just ask that believers experience it. He does, but, but he actually, he implores God. He doesn't just pray. He, he pleads in prayer with God that all believers would experience the fullness of God's love and power. Look at verse 14. Paul says, For this reason I kneel before the Father. 
from prison, Paul prays this prayer on his knees before God, the Father in heaven. Why is this significant? Because kneeling was not the normal posture of prayer for first century Jewish Christian praying. The more usual way was to pray standing with the face, your face up to the sky. This is the opposite of that. You see, kneeling, bowing implies reverence and humility, like, like we talked about last week. But it also signals urgency, passion, in fact, desperation. That's the heart behind this prayer. The Apostle Paul gets down on his knees in reverent humility before God Almighty and he prays with with boldness, with urgency, passionately pleading that the Ephesians and all believers in turn, including you and I, would experience the absolute fullness of the one great and glorious God in three persons that Paul knew and experienced every day, reverently, passionately, desperately pleading. Let me ask you a question. Do those words describe how you pray? Is, is, is that how you seek the Lord in prayer? On, on your knees, on, on your face, prostrate before a God so great, with a desire so desperate that that, that position and, and this tone and this language is the only one appropriate you can find? Mark twelve thirty, Jesus said, the greatest commandment is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That is, with, with all your, your physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual capacity. Well, that's how Paul prays here. With all his heart, all his soul, his mind, his strength, that believers would experience all of God. That is, all of his heart, all of his soul, all of his mind, all of his strength. Do you get the connection here? Are you loving God and seeking God and praying to God like this with all your heart, with all your soul, your inner being, with all your mind, with all your strength, pleading to know and experience God in all of his fullness? Now, if you're sitting there thinking, this is absolutely impossible, that we could be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God Almighty, I, I think Paul might have anticipated that, that line of thought, that objection, uh, which I wonder, I wonder if that's why he closes like he does in verses 20 and 21. Now, follow along with me, if you will, here. D- does it say in verse 20, to him who is able to do what we ask? No, it doesn't say that. To, to him who is able to do more than we ask? No, not exactly, no. To, to him who is able to do a, a lot more than we ask? No. To him who is able to do uh, to 10 times more than we ask. No. Uh, 20 times. No. 100 times. No. 1,000 times. No. A million times. No. A billion times more. No. <laughs> to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or even imagine according to his power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Okay, okay, Pastor Gary, okay, okay, I'm convinced. This sounds amazing. I I want to experience the fullness of God in my life. I I want this, so what do I do? How how do I get that? How how do we apply this, Pastor Gary? Well, what do we do? We ask for it. Similar to last week, we pray. Luke eleven thirteen. 13, Jesus said to his, his disciples, 
If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Okay, ask him, okay, okay, but okay, but what, what do I say? Uh, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure the words, I don't have the words, maybe that's okay. Because God has given us something infinitely better. His word. And my friends, there is no better way to pray than praying God's word. When our words fall short, God's word goes long and stands strong. When we use God's own words by praying scripture, you know what we're doing? We're aligning ourselves with God's heart and literally praying according to his will by the power of his Holy Spirit that inspired these words. So when words fail you, Open up the Bible and allow God's word to fill you and be your prayer. So I'm going to ask you kind of a radical question here. Have you ever actually prayed this prayer we've looked at today? For you? Have you made that the prayer for your life? If not, (laughs) why not? And if so, do you continue to, to pray this prayer passionately, pleadingly, every day as, as part of your, your prayer to God? What if you did? I'm going to challenge everyone listening to this to, to make this passage your prayer. In, include this in, in your time of prayer every day for the next month. Memorize it, commit it to heart, and and don't just say it, pray it in faith to God, and let's see what he's going to do, and let's expect the immeasurable, because that's what this is. That's what this prayer is all about. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is so big, so strong, so mighty. There's nothing our God cannot do for you, in you, through you, by the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. So may this be what we pray, and may this change how we pray. Because the absolute fullness of God that Paul pleads for on our behalf in this prayer is precisely what God our Father has designed and enabled us to experience regularly by the dynamite, booming power of His Holy Spirit in our inner being through saving faith in Jesus Christ, His Son, who dwells in our hearts through faith. Jesus didn't say, I have come that they may have life that is... It's pretty good or pretty decent. He said, I've come that they may have life to the full, life in abundance. So my friends, let's stop praying small and start praying big according to God's word. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, I pray that out of your glorious riches, you would strengthen us with power through your Holy Spirit in our inner being so that Christ may dwell in and have complete rule and reign over every part of our hearts and lives through faith. 
And Lord, I pray that we, being rooted and established in your love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of you, God, our Heavenly Father, through faith in your Son, Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit in us. God, may this be our reality. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now receive the Lord's blessing from Ephesians 3, verses 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or can imagine according to his power May his power at work within us bring him glory in the church in Jesus Christ through all generations forever and ever. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or can imagine according to his power May his power at work within us Bring him glory in the church In Jesus Christ through all generations Forever and ever May his power at work within us Bring him glory in the church In Jesus Christ through all generations Forever and ever